What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Bling Talks. We have Bob Donafria, the, the CEO and founder of Patura Jewelers. Uh, Bob, it's a pleasure to have you on. Thank you, Anthony. Pleasure to be here. Looking forward to it. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, we've had the pleasure of having a couple of conversations before this, and uh, I think you have a fascinating uh, story and invaluable amount of uh, knowledge and experience to share uh, with the viewership and the people in the community. Um, but you also have uh, a major mission uh, that you are doing with Futura Jewelry. And, and I think it's super cool. Not only just cool, but it's very, very important. We're going to touch on that today. So uh, without further ado, Bob, just kind of, you know, tell us how you got in that seat, a um, little bit about yourself and how you got into the business. Okay, great. Um, well, uh, I started out with Colgate Palmolive actually uh, as a financial analyst uh, and through Colgate, I wound up in Italy. I was the controller of the Italian company and about two years into Italy, um, I was contacted by a headhunter who said that Bulgari Jewelers was looking for a CEO in North America. So unknowing at that point, I knew nothing about Bulgari I went for an interview with Johnny Bulgari, who was then the uh, oldest brother of the group. And uh, lo and behold, uh, we struck up a nice uh, conversation and he decided to hire me as CEO. Uh, so I knew nothing about jewelry, but I knew a lot about running businesses. And that was the exchange. Basically, Johnny wanted me to help them at that point. Bulgari had only five stores in the world. And he wanted me to help them um, uh, kind of organize themselves as they started to grow. Uh, and uh, for me, I spent uh, one year with them in all of the workshops and things learning the jewelry business. So I was very fortunate. I was in the workshops with the workers. I was with the designers and I was with the Bulgaris uh, on the stone selection, design uh, selection and things like that. So. I got a very, very good, uh, good, good education uh, in the first year. And wow. then I came to the United States, came back, and uh, I was um, the CEO of North America for Bulgari for about 10 years. Wow. Uh, follow, following that, um, I stayed in luxury jewelry. I really, listen, I just have to say this, being in the luxury jewelry business is really a beautiful thing. Uh, always dealing with people who are in good moods and uh, you're making them happy. So um, my future then was luxury jewelry. Uh, so then I was the CEO of Asprey and Garrard for about six years. Uh, I was the CEO of uh, Roberto Cavalli for about another six years. And in between, I did a lot of consulting. I worked with a lot of jewelry brands um, uh, who most people would be uh, very aware of. Um, uh, a Cartier, um, a Kieselstein Cord, many people may not know in things, a Marina B. So I had a pretty vast knowledge of the uh, luxury jewelry business. Then in about 2015, 2016, I was doing independent research, looking into what was missing in the jewelry industry. Because we remember back at that time, there was a little bit of a lull. And um, in 2016, doing the research, I discovered this truth about gold. Um, and the truth is, what I never knew was that uh, mining for gold, which is mostly used in the jewelry business, which I was a part of for so many years, um, is a real hazard for, for the world and for the planet. 
um, most mining done by small scale and medium scale um, mining operations use mercury to extract the gold from the ore, from the mud and the sand where it's found. Um, I didn't know anything about that. Um, and what I started to do was educate myself because I was um, somewhat um, shocked uh, about this. So I spoke, I spoke with many of the men and women that I knew in the industry um, across brands and things. And as it turned out, most of them didn't know anything about gold and the harm that it does. Wow. Uh, and, and also, um, when they found out, they, they really didn't know what to do with it. So um, uh, from my perspective, having spent so much time and good times, happy times with it, um, I just couldn't leave it alone. So um, uh, one thing that I, I will tell the viewers, about 40% of mercury emissions that are excreted into the atmosphere every year come from small-scale gold mining. So it's a serious problem. So I started to, again, um, just educate myself. And my education started with the United Nations. Um, I found out in uh, 2017, the United Nations started what was called the Minamata Convention. The Minamata Convention is signed by 145 countries around the world with the express purpose to eliminate the use of mercury in all products and in all industries. Just so happens that the jewelry industry uh, is part of the biggest contributor, 40%. The next highest contributor comes from coal mining, about 29%. Uh, but coal mining, fortunately, is, um, is regulated. And they're able with laws and things to curtail, to curtail that. And that's what they're going to do. So when I learned about all this, um, I petitioned the United Nations to become a partner of the Minamata Treaty. I petitioned the Secretariat interviewed with uh, several members of the Secretariat, and I was accepted um, as a partner in 2018. Wow. And I'm, I'm the only um, retail brand, jewelry brand, that was accepted as a partner um, for one simple reason. I went to them and said, look it, they have unbelievable expertise in the field and scientists and smart people who are going out in the field to take care of this issue, try to take care of it, try to educate, try to change. Um, but as I knew, and I think most of us know, the only way real change is going to happen is if consumers become aware of the issue and then consumers start asking for ethical, clean gold. Gold yeah. that, that isn't mined with mercury. So let's, let's, let's talk about that a little bit. First, first your, your accolades and your experience into the business um, is remarkable. And when you discuss some of these other well-known brands, you named out a few, um, you were, you were consulting for them mainly on business operations, efficiencies, you know, it wasn't so much about getting into the jewelry at the beginning. It was more business. It was business. It okay. Was business. Yes. 
Okay. That's, 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 that's amazing. And I, I just, yeah, wanted to give you some props on that. So let's get to um, the awareness of this problem. Okay. Some people might not know what mercury, why is mercury bad in the environment? So maybe we could share a little bit about um, why it's a problem. You know, there's a ton of jewelers on this podcast now in, uh, in our community. And I, I don't know how many of them would know how dangerous it is. Could you shed a little bit of light on that? All right. Yes. Um, what I'd like to do first, since you oh. mentioned about the jewelers, is just a simple thing. There is no presence of mercury in any jewelry. By the time um, the gold is used in any process of making jewelry, there is no mercury in the jewelry itself. So I don't want anybody to get the wrong impression that somehow jewelry is bad. It's not bad, okay? Um, it's the gold mining that is the issue, not the end product. So I just wanted to state that because uh, some people over time that I've been doing this have misconstrued the issue that possibly mercury might be in the jewelry and that it might be harmful to people. It's not. It's not. Thank okay. you for clarifying that. Yeah. yeah. I think that's very important. Especially very important, since, yeah. Since you said oh, jewelry. It's about the mining process. Right. Got so, it. So the thing is, I, I've avoided um, for the uh, six years that I've been doing this, trying to uh, elevate, um, I'll just say, um, the, the issues with mercury emissions as they affect people and things, because I, I, my purpose wasn't to scare anyone. Um, but um, the truth is, is that uh, mercury uh, poisoning is a serious matter. Um, all women expecting to become pregnant take a mercury poisoning test before they uh, conceive or think about conceiving because it is known to cause real problems in childbirth. Um, and um, it's just a, a safety precaution, again, that probably many people don't know. Most women will know who have become of childbearing years and things. Uh, with regard to everything else, I mean, just so we're clear, um, because we live in the United States, we're not free of this. Um, the, the, these, these emissions are all over the place. They're in the water. We talk about sometimes tuna and things, but if you ever saw the statistics on fish that come from lakes and things, it's the same issue of the uh, amount of mercury that's found in their bodies, vegetation, all that. And most of the problems uh, that um, we humans um, uh, have issues with are neurological problems and problems uh, with the brain. Um, and uh, all these things, again, can be documented, but I'm not, I don't profess to be a medical uh, specialist, but I just, just suffice it to say, it's, um, it's, it's serious. Um, I'll mention one last thing about when you say, what are the problems with it? The Minamata Convention is named after a city in Japan called Minamata. Minamata um, was almost wiped off the face of the earth in the 1950s. Um, and it was due to mercury poisoning. It did not have anything to do with gold mining. Again, I want to stress that. But I want you to understand where the awareness comes from, this Minamata Convention. It's named after that city because industrial wastes, wastes filled with mercury, okay, polluted the seas around there. And uh, it's documented, killed many, many people, almost wiped the, the city out. Uh, and 
And um, one one last thing, um, they did make a movie. Johnny Depp was in the movie called Minamata. It uh, it unfortunately premiered during COVID. Nobody got to see it, but it's something real, not something that we made up here, not something I made up. It's real, and real people are concerned about. Yeah, um, definitely a higher purpose with what you're trying to accomplish here and. You know, you and I have talked a little bit about it, and we kind of both agreed that awareness is the main thing. Um, so getting people to know about it and yes. then uh, getting them to care about it. And so and then also the solution, which is, you know, another thing I definitely want you to touch on uh, is Futura Jewelry and, you know, what you're doing about it. Because if there's a solution uh, that's already been created, that makes life easier for a lot of people if they wanted to support a good cause. Um, so um, there were about 15 million small-scale miners around the world in every con on every continent. So the mission is big. And that's why the United Nations going out in the field can't do it alone. And the reason why they accepted me as a partner was because I just spoke common sense to them and said, you need someone to start to communicate and educate people about the problems. And no different than maybe some of the solutions we found with uh, Blood Diamond, so to speak, in the movie. I think it's the same thing here. It's a matter of consumer awareness. Um, and, and so that's what the mission of Futura is. The mission of Futura is communication, consumer awareness. Um, when the big brands, like I mentioned some of them, didn't want to do anything about trying to help this problem. And I want you to understand, a lot of them contribute money to the causes around it, but none of them are willing to tackle the issue. The right. issue is to try and let consumers know there is an option so we're not trying to say jewelry is battering, but there is an option. And the option is really jewelry mined without mercury. So when I formed Futura, um, we uh, formed Futura um, with a, a few points of difference because I wanted it to appeal to all people. So Futura doesn't have a creative director. We use jewelry historians to go uh, around the world and collect um, ideas for objects that were made sometimes thousands of years ago, uh, back to the Etruscans, Roman, Greek, and things, because I didn't want a style, because I wanted to appeal to as many people as possible. So each collection that we launch is a different style. It could come from Mexico, Peru, Egypt, Greek, or wherever, or in some cases from mid-century. Uh, for example, the um, artist uh, Man Ray, uh, he I petitioned him to have a license for uh, some of his jewelry product. Uh, he had never issued it before and he gave us permission. And what we do is we make a ring of his and a pair of earrings of it. This is exactly as he made it um, almost 150 years ago. Uh, and so that's what we do. So first of all, point of difference, no, no, you know, no, no creative director. And then the, the second thing obviously is the gold. So, um, there are only a few miners around the world right now who have chosen to change 
they're, we're working real hard. The UN is working real hard to get more and more miners to change to mm. a cleaner process for processing the gold. Unfortunately, there is very little demand. And um, I happen to be actually mm -hmm. one of the biggest buyers of this ecological goal, which is really a joke when you consider, you know, the brand uh, not having a face on the street or anything, but, but I am. And, um, and, that, and that's the issue, right? So um, what are we doing? We're, we're trying to give consumers product that they don't find anyplace else and trying to give them, um, after they find the product, like the product, the story that says it's helping the planet. And that's, that's, what, our, that's what our goal is. And um, what, what I say to most people is, um, you know, um, there's nothing, you know, a lot of people use recycled gold now, and that's a good step, good first step. But again, to all the jewelers out there, recycled gold doesn't solve this worldwide problem. And it's our job to do it because most of this gold is used to make jewelry. And that's where Futura comes in. Uh, and there are a few brands around the world that have stores, okay, local stores, that buy small quantities of this gold and for their specific clients make product out of this ecological gold. But it's a, it's a minuscule amount of gold that they purchase. And therefore, what happens is the miners are reluctant to change because if nobody's asking for it and they have to change their ways, they just as soon continue to use mercury and cyanide and bring it to their local dealers. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, let's talk about like how you grow. You have grown the business so far. Are you doing, you know, a lot of retail wholesaling? Is it, you know, people coming direct to the site? How can people find FaturaJewelry.com? Okay. Um, so um, the first thing I did after getting the website up and, and, and going was I needed some anchors in the jewelry industry, uh, people that would lend credibility to Futura because nobody knows me and nobody knew Futura. So uh, the first place I went was uh, Bergdorf Good. And uh, I went there for a specific reason. I mean, it's an icon in terms of, uh, I'll just say people's perception of the company and what it stands for. So I went there, um, I spoke with um, the person in charge of purchasing uh, and um, believe it or not, um, she bought in. She bought in for a few reasons, not just a sustainability piece or the ecological and clean piece, but she said, there aren't too many gold jewelers out there. And we, everything we do is gold, gold only. So she said, I would really like that in the store. And I would really like to move that way and be able to talk about it. So that was the first uh, store, retail store we had. Um, and uh, then I, I very methodically went to places that I thought we should be, meaning where people go possibly to buy maybe clothing and fashion that may be a sustainable and helping the planet somehow. So we went to Dover Street Market and I met with them. And um, again, they were very pleased with the idea and things. So we wound up being now in London, New York and LA in Dover Street Market. Um, and th I then went to Goop and again, another brand that purports itself to be again, 
kind of holistic and clean. A lot of people go there. So um, we're in three group stores now, um, one in New York, one in LA, and one in Sag Harbor. Um, then as we started to build, um, actually Saks Fifth Avenue came to us and asked for it. Because once again, I think they're starting to see a little bit of movement. Not, not a lot. Trust me, I just want to say, Anthony. Yeah. People come in, they got to love the jewelry first. Nobody's coming in saying, I want to see sustainable jewelry. No. Right. They're coming in, and if they like your jewelry, then they oh, listen wow. to the story. They like the story. Right. So, so Saks came in, and uh, you know we're on Saks Online and Saks, uh, Saks New York, and then a few. I I I knew to prove uh, again that we have viability, not just the United States internationally. Um, we uh, spoke with Lane Crawford, and we're now in Lane Crawford in Hong Kong. So I, I strategically did all these things because again, these are all stores and brands that could give credibility if someone came to my site and saw where we are, they can start to say it's not some fly-by-night company. Instead, it's something that has value and these stores that are anchors in the retail industry um, believe in it. It's an outstanding uh, outstanding first step. And, and I, it sounds like you crushed it. <laughs> well, yeah, listen, yeah. look at, like I said to you, I, I, we got in the places where I felt was important. We're in a few. We're in a few more. We're in the conservatory down in Dallas and and Twist out in Portland, and um, we're in Muse in New York. So we're in a few others. But the the core of what I was trying to do was 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 build a columns around the company, so that um, at least when people did go to the site, they felt comfortable. I had to give them comfort because, like I said, they don't. You know, I'm I'm not the best spokesperson for this. I, I'm a you know I'm, I'm a nobody okay, out there in the consumer's mind. So uh, it was very important. Um, and we do, um, you know, we do market online. Um, we do probably about half of our business online and nice. the other half uh, in, in wholesale, no retail. Uh, we haven't been able to uh, open any stores yet. But would you, would you supply, you know, some of these retailers that are on the show or like your brick and mortar stores? I, I listen. Yeah, what happened? I just yes. Twist came to us and said, "You know what? For what they stand for, uh, they came to the show in New York, and they met, they saw, and uh, they bought the product." Same thing with the conservatory. Um, uh, he came to me when he was in New York. We talked and whatever, and uh, um, the, the 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 jewelry then is down in the conservatory. So yes, the answer is you know I'd be happy to interact with, even if it's not a direct sale, but even interact with any other jewelers. Because like I say, the mission is bigger than Futura, it's bigger than me, and it's bigger than everyone, even the people who are listening to this call. So any first step toward providing, um, I'll just say this ecologically made jewelry, okay, uh, makes sense. And when I say this, I just want everybody to understand, you know, what's the difference? I, I buy the gold um, from a fair mine called Fairmine Initiative down in Colombia. And I buy it from them because they represent many of these miners around the world. And what they do um, through their auditing process and everything is they're the ones that I'm able to uh, lean on to trace the gold as it travels from the mine to a, a Brinks truck someplace and then eventually 
to a refiner and then to my workshop. And just so everybody knows, um, um, all those stops are all Fairmine authorized. So someone in the refinery has petitioned and gotten Fairmine authorization. And that means they isolate that gold in the refinery. There's a process they get audited and that gold doesn't touch any dirty gold or anything else. And the same thing when it gets to the workshop and to the caster, uh, the same thing, it's the same process. Now it's not a big deal, okay? It's a matter of just someone wanting to do it. I don't wanna make it seem like, oh, it's impossible. No, it's not impossible. The thing is, is there has to be desire. It has to be desire. And if there's desire, it's really easy. It's really easy. How can people in the community help you? And also the last thing I guess I would ask is um, one piece of advice for the community as well. I think you've had a, a wealth of knowledge. So um, first is, you know, how, how can the Bling Talks and JewelryBox.ai um, community help you in any way? Um, I, 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 I say this, I mean, in terms of anybody helping, um, becoming aware, I, th I think is the first step. So if anybody's listening to the podcast, become aware, know that we're, we're the solution. The people that we sell to are the solution, not the miners. Once consumers start to ask, and that's my hope. Um, I don't need them to come and buy from tour jewelry. I need them to start coming to the retailers that are maybe listening to this and say, <laughs> where's my gold come from? Where's my gold come from? And that's what I say a lot of times when I'm out doing training and things. I do say just, you know what? It's okay. It doesn't have to be perfect, step one. Step one could be like I say, a lot of people love recycled gold. It doesn't help us. Okay, but at least it's a step um, the miners continue to mine. I want everybody to understand this, that the reason why recycled isn't an answer is because those 15 million miners that are mining have to eat every day. And so guess what? They mine every day and they sell gold to live. So no matter how much recycled gold there is right now, what, 29, 30% of jewelry is recycled. Okay. Even if they came hundred percent, we'd have this problem and we've got to do, and we're the only answer at the end of the day, the people who are selling jewelry or on the other end of this call are part of the solution. So I just say this to everybody. First, consumers, ask the question if you can. And second, to the people who are listening, try a piece. It won't hurt your other product. Take a, a little section, a small, a small step, so that if those people come in or if you, you have the option to say to them, you know what, we made this collection here because it's a good selling point for all of them because we know what consumers want today. They're constantly coming in looking for things, you know, to feel, to feel good. First, you got to love the jewelry. Believe it, that's it. Love the jewelry. But after that, if any of the retailers can say to them, we're starting on a road to help the United Nations and the world solve a major problem, and it's jewelry that's the answer. How more powerful a statement can you make? That's what that's what I'm shocked about. I, again, I'm, we're talking to all these people. Yeah. And I got to tell you, I thought this was going to be easy when I started with Tour Jewelry. Easy in the sense of getting buy-in. Forget it. The hardest thing in the world. But these the people listening to your podcast can really uh, be part of the solution. Small way. I'm not trying to ruin anybody's business. Nobody is. But I'll say this to you. The Minamata Convention is committed to ending mercury in all products, 
fluorescent light bulbs, cell phones and things like that, and gold mining within the next five years. It's been going on for almost 10 years now. So eventually, we're all going to have to use this gold. Eventually, we're going to have to have clean gold. So if anybody's not using it now, think about it. That's a huge question. Your future. Yeah, your future depends on you. You've got to make, eventually you have to plan for the transition and decide how it works for you, not like it works for everybody else. I made the transition because I had a mission and a message. So I'm 100%. That's it. There are brands out there that use um, some of it. Okay. And um, it's okay for a small little collection. Chopard, for example, makes what they call uh, for the fashion show a green collection. They don't make it with ecological gold, but they make it with fair mine gold that um, still has mercury in it, but it, um, it is committed to social benefits and th- things like that, children's safety and, and stuff like this. But you can make a first step. Brilliant Earth, okay, out in California, um, they use mostly recycled gold, but they have a very small collection with ecological gold. They're the only ones, okay? Very small. When I say, it, listen, could be 1% of their inventory. It could be less than that. But they start with recycle, and now they're they're making the move. They're making the, And that's what I really, if there was a message for everyone out there who um, is, you know, an operator, think about it. That's yeah. what I think about. Yeah, there was some, you know, you have the unique insight of working with, you know, the largest agency around really and 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 you're kind of so to share that insight of what their goal is with this this effort um i think it's super important could trickle down faster than people people may realize so that's really valuable information i guess in closing my last question um with all the experience you you had um what piece of advice can you give business owners today yeah i guess i'll just say this I, um, many people would think that I had a, a, a nice career with what I did, okay? But, you know, doing things for other people, it's a benefit. Isn't it, doesn't satisfy I'd be very, it doesn't, um, I've been doing this now with Fruit Tour for almost seven years. And I wake up every day smiling. And the reason is I am giving back something. I'm working hard. Believe me, I work hard, okay? Yeah. And, and there's not many rewards. But when you do something for the greater good, what you feel inside as, you know, a, a person, uh, there's, no, there, 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 there's no substitute. That's all I'm going to say. There's no substitute. So while I understand trying to run a business and make money and things like that, if um, anybody wants to really feel the rush of doing something good. And I, I, I said, I'm not a do-gooder here, okay? But if anybody wants to feel that rush of saying, man, I feel good about what I did, then think about a start, just a small start. And if anybody out there would like to do that or wants to know something, I, I can direct them and help them. I mean, like I said, this is not about me. This is about us. Right. This is about us. This is an industry that can solve a problem. And so this is us. Uh, it's not about Futura becoming the biggest name in town. Absolutely not. It's about all of us becoming the right name in town. Hell yeah. That was awesome. That was awesome. And um, let's say P- 
people do want to get a hold of you, um, FuturaJewelers.com is F-U-T-U-R-A Jewelers.com. And of course, Bob Donofrio. It's jewelry. It's jewelry. Jewelry. I'm sorry. Futura Jewelry. Yeah, I'm sorry. Should have had that um, right there. So, yeah. And if if they want to write to me, it's only Robert Donofrio at FuturaJewelry.com. Awesome. Yeah, and I'll put all that information. Okay. uh, We publish this. But, Bob, it's been a pleasure getting to know you, hearing your story. Um, I loved your last piece of advice. I think it's extremely true. Uh, and I think you're doing something very, very important that is a lot bigger than all of us. So I'm grateful and honored that I was able to have you on the show, that I was able to have, uh, you know, an hour or two of your time here to get to know you and and understand more. And I absolutely wish you the best. And I know myself and our community will have a full support for you and for you. And guys, in in closing, Bob Donofrio with FaturaJewelry.com. Thanks, Anthony. I appreciate you finding me.